Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast. And this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out. Hello and welcome to the latest Newcastle United podcast from the Chronicle team. Uh, everything is black and white. Uh, and for once, we've actually got to look back at a, a weekend where things went our way. Uh, Newcastle beating Aston Villa, courtesy of Papis Cissé's game. And I think it's fair to say, Lee, uh, Lee Ryder, the Chronicle's chief sports writer, is here with me alongside Andy Fowler and myself, your host, Mark Douglas. I think it's fair to say, Lee, it wasn't exactly a cracker, even if we're, uh, even if we're reflecting on a win. No, it was pretty dire to be honest. It was a wasn't a pretty game to watch for for the spectators, but I think by the end everyone agreed that we were just happy to see three points in the bag. Hmm. I think the game lacked quality. I think Newcastle were actually up against it for the first half an hour against a team that have struggled to fight sleep. You know, never mind win football <laughs> matches um, this season, and that that was quite concerning. Hmm. Um, especially given, you know, Krill made a great save to stop Ben Teke and better finishing from Villa. You know, obviously they they could have the game signed and sealed really yeah. in the first half an hour. Thankfully, Cissé got that goal, um, but after that, it was just a case a struggle to to hang on in there and protect that lead. Newcastle they couldn't add to it, and um, you know the. The final whistle was just music to everyone's ears, I yeah. think, from a Newcastle point of view. It's, it's been uh, that kind of season, though, hasn't it? You can count on one hand probably the amount of times where you've gone to Newcastle and you've thought, that's a really great attacking display. Mm. Do you think that's, that's a concern kind of moving forward a little bit? That we, we, you know, When Newcastle are winning these games, even under John Carvey, you're kind of thinking, you know, yeah, we're getting there, we're getting the points, but it's not been a season where you can see progress, really, from, from a Newcastle team. Well, unfortunately, the problem is is, is that they're simply not good enough to, to win games by threes and fours yeah. and, you know, tear teams apart and take the chances. And um, I think that's, as you say, that's a big concern. They do need a lot of new players in. They need leaders, mm-hmm. more leaders. I know it was an improvement on Saturday, but they need more flair, more leaders, more offensive players. I know that all sounds very easy to say, but that just shows what, what a state Newcastle are in at the moment mm-hmm. where... You know, uh, next season is just around the corner, really. Yeah. We're just talking about the tight schedule this summer um, earlier. And Newcastle got a lot of work to do. And I think, they, for me, they need six or seven yeah. players who are ready now 
to, to go into that team and, and start making the, the place for us again. Definitely. I mean, Andy, one bonus, I suppose. I, I, I don't think really anybody who wasn't being too hysterical was ever too worried about this, but mm. it does mean the Newcastle are probably... They're, they're going to be top 12, top yeah. 13. They're definitely not going to get relegated. Well, that, that was the thing. That mathematically, yeah, they could probably still go down, but really that was, that was the win. It kind of... There's only four points between the bottom four teams, but they're all going to take points off each other. And I think, yeah, Newcastle can probably now look and, and cast out of the way. I, as we've said before, I never really thought they were going to go down. I never really thought they'd be actually be dragged into that battle. But the problem was, with the fixtures coming up, which I'm sure we'll mention a bit later, is actually, if they hadn't have put some of these results, like your Villas, like those kind of scrappy wins, then actually it could, they could well have been down there. But 11 games left... Um, Oh, you know, you take out the last four in May against some of the lower league, lower division sides. They've got some tricky ones coming up, and it was good to get this one out of the way. It was, it was a big game. Lee and I spoke earlier. It was, it needed to be three points. You know, even a draw because it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great performance. They've got Man United on Wednesday. They had Man City humping last week. This was about getting three points. Um, massive for for John Carver as well. To get them for him, he, I say it wasn't pretty, but you know he'll be the first to admit that it was more about getting getting the result, which they did, and you know Papis Cisse um, popping up yet again. Um, you know where would they be without his goals this year? Well, um, indeed, indeed. And funnily enough, we, Mike Ashley was there, Lee. I mean, this is what we're all kind of like. I think we're probably just pleased <coughs> at, the, at the three points. We, we're thinking, you know, that this is Newcastle needed that. They needed a bit of a response, but we're all trying to work out what this man. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, his his kind of his man on the ground at Newcastle, Lee Charney, are actually thinking at the moment because suggestions again over the weekend that Newcastle maybe not looking at John Carver, looking elsewhere. But I mean, any kind of insight at all into what Mike Ashley's thinking and where we're going to go next? Well, I think you've got to look at it from his point of view. In his point of view, is a business outlook, um, and if he can save money. Um, by not paying X amount, millions of compensation for plugging him out of the air, say Ronald Koeman, mm. two, three million pound compensation to Southampton when you can have John Carver for much, much, much less um, and he's going to do the job that you want, which is finish in the middle of the table. That's their outlook on yeah. it, not my own personal outlook. Yeah. My own personal outlook is you go out there, get a manager of pre- pedigree, give someone a little bit of responsibility with the transfers to go out and pick some of these big players around Europe, have a scouting system, but go out, give this new manager a couple of choices to to bring a couple of marquee players in and attack that top six next season. That's what we want to see. I personally don't think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see a steady kind of um, consolidation period Mm. where... John Carver may get the job, he's the cheap option, we do know that. And basically, he'll deliver that top 10 finish again next season. And uh, that that's what they want, that's where they're going, that's yeah. their plan. They don't seem to be looking any higher than seventh place at the, at the very best. Yeah, I think, what's, I think what's scary is a few people on, on social media and things, you know, get obviously into it. And that's exactly what the fans are saying well they, they you know they're they're saying you know gone are the days where actually we're looking for you know 10 years 20 years where we're we're looking at the supersize you know 
talk Rafa Benitez mentioned as well, you know, Robert Koeman. Well, well interestingly about Rafa Benitez, because we, we put up a story today, Rafa Benitez has been mentioned in dispatches a few times mm. with the Newcastle United job. Uh, he obviously came out with some things over the weekend uh, saying that he was m- maybe available. We put a story up basically saying, you know, that Rafa Benitez, a guy who's been mentioned with Newcastle, and uh, were criticised for, for being unrealistic. And, I mean, for me, Rafa Benitez and the Newcastle United job would be fit. a fit that, that, you know, even three or four years ago we were talking about. No, two, three years ago we were talking about. These, you know, it's not like we're talking Jurgen Klopp and going out there and getting Jose Mourinho. We're talking about Rafa Benitez here, you know. A fantastically successful coach, but a good fit for a club mm-hmm. like Newcastle oh, yeah. as well. But we don't think that that's going to necessarily happen because we think that they're looking for a certain. He's certain done. He's he's done basically what Frank de Boer done. Frank de Boer about a month ago come out and said, "I'm open to offers. Yeah, yeah. I'm available. Come and get me." Basically, that's what he's saying. Benitez is doing exactly the same. Newcastle didn't make an approach for de Boer. He was there for the taking, but they didn't. T- they didn't take the option. Mm. Benitez is now doing the same, but I don't think no. that. He's going to be the type of manager that Newcastle want. They want somebody who effectively they can control. They mm. want someone who can is going to play the game and take the players who Graham Carr picks, you know, accept the budgets and, and work within the system. Yeah. And that's their outlook. You know, as, as I say, we all don't agree with that in here. We want to see a bit more excitement. It's Newcastle United we're talking about. But the way, the way things are and the way, things, the way people think they should be are two completely different yeah. things. And we've got to try and get that balance right as a newspaper in terms of getting the, the fans' views on board, but also actually saying, yeah, that's what you want, but this is how it is. Yeah. And there's not a lot... I, I don't know about you, but how much... What 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 can a newspaper do? Yeah, well, I mean, and, that, and that's the... I think that's the, the, the interesting thing to kind of to note, really, in these last few weeks, that we've kind of gone away from... Thinking, and I think this is this is something that's interesting that we should maybe touch on a little bit is that do we actually believe the three of us? We've all kind of said that look, we don't actually necessarily agree with the direction the club are going in. Do any of us, and starting with you, Lee, and then moving on to you, Andy, and I'll, I'll give my little bit as well. The way that the club have set out this managerial or this head coach role, do you think it can deliver a Newcastle United that's going to be more exciting than this year? Because let's be honest, this year has been daughter's dishwater. Do you believe that the kind of the structure that they're going to put in place? Can work basically. I think it can, but it's going to have to be the right guy for the job. Um, now, when you're saying can it work, can it work as in them finishing between tenth and seventh? Probably can't. Can yeah. it work in terms of them bringing the top four, the top six? No, it can't. Yeah. So that's that's where we're at at the moment. Yeah, I I personally sort of look at it and think that this. It's so important that the next step is right. And we kind of look at the, the, the different people that you can bring in on that job. And, and what I think, if Newcastle went out and got the best person for that job, so if we're saying that Remy Gard's got that, whatever, you know, we may be looking at that, maybe looking at Thomas Tuchel or something like that, I think it could work. I think it would really take off here because I do think that they've got some good players in that squad. And judging by the fact that they're 11th this year without really trying, I'd say that the kind of foundations are there a little bit. But I am, I am concerned that the club... Although they're telling us that they're they're aiming for you know that we're doing this due diligence, we've we've got John Carver in charge because we're trying to do this. We're not seeing a lot of examples or necessarily much evidence that they're actually looking looking around. Really, I think they're quite happy with the way things are at the moment, uh, and that's my worry. I don't think they've got a lot of faith. Andy, yeah, it's about intent, and I think we've we've spoken about it before, and it just. 
for me, it shows you that even if you get the, the right person for that particular role, which is the head, the head coach role, you know, we've spoken about it with Graham Callaghan and the team, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think they can do all right. I think they'll they'll do they'll do no worse than they've done this year uh, or last year. I think they'll finish by mid table. They have a decent decent season. They'll they'll push towards the top seven. But it's all about intent. I think if you go out and get, like I say, if you if you go out and you say right, we are going to get the best person, we're going to get the best manager that we possibly can. Then you say right, listen, we want to progress this club. We will, we want it to move forward. We want to try and challenge with the big boys, and you know that, that costs a lot of money. But for me, yes, it'll do him. It'll do him a job, and that for me is the worry at the moment. They're, they're all looking at well, who can do as a job? Who can fill in at this position, playing wise? Who can fill in this position, staffing wise? Um, and that's that's the concern for me. They won't finish any lower if they, if they go out and they get somebody, anybody to come in. I think they'll you know they've had a few injuries. They bring in a couple of players, even if they're not you know household names. They'll do all right, but that's unfortunate. That's the problem. We're sat here, and like you say, Dulles Dishwater. Well, it's just everything's all right. It's all a bit grey, as grey as your jumper is at the moment. It's not. Well, it's a very nice jumper, actually. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's just you know. not. It's not particularly bright. It's not particularly exciting. And I just think that the model is an interesting one. But my worry is they're not going to get the right person, uh, and it's it's critical that they do get the right person. Still, plenty to talk about, judging by the the way uh, you all got in touch with us about our ask everything's black and white uh, hashtag. I don't want to kind of make it seem as if there's nothing to talk about at this point in the season, because to be perfectly honest, there's still plenty of stuff that can happen. I mean, Lee, you did a piece last uh, couple of weeks ago talking about the you know, there's five or six really interesting games. I think Tuesday, I think, sorry, Wednesday is probably one of them. We'll just, we'll just come back onto that one in a minute. We'll, we'll just uh, a few questions first. Lee, this, you might be able to field this one. Uh, it comes from Hanoi Toon. Uh, what exactly is wrong with Cissé's knee and can it be fixed? He says that nobody ever seems to actually touch on what's actually going on with this knee problem. And it's a good point. Personally, uh, from the people that I've spoken to, um, there's actually nothing wrong with his knee at the moment. Mm. He's fit to play. He's fit to play the full 90 minutes if need be. He did have an operation um, not so long ago, but obviously he's came back in the team and he scored goals. Yeah, so 11 goals this season. 11 goals. I don't think the problem is Cissé's knee. I think the problem is, is the service to Papi Cissé. Yeah. And at the moment, he's had two decent crosses in the last three games and he's put them both away. The other chance he had at Man City forced Joe Hart into a great save. Yeah. World class keeper who saved the penalty, obviously, against yeah, Messi a few days later. Tell um, you what, Lee, Puppy Cisse, <laughs> worth talking about. In a, in a season that has been uh, as grey as my jumper is, uh, Andy Fowler, rather, Puppy Cisse has been absolutely sensational this season. We've, we've limited service, 11 goals this season. Yeah, fantastic. And But it, that answer has always been there for me mm. in terms of it's obvious this guy, he's got 42 goals for the club now since he signed. Just over three years ago, he's up there. He's in the top seven of all the all-time Premier League scorers for Newcastle, and I think he's going to go on and on. I think mm. he's going to. He could at least get in the top five. I don't think he's going to catch Alan Shearer <laughs> or Peter Beardsley, but he can really make his name as a not a legend. I don't know. That might be pushing it, but certainly he's a, a big crowd favourite. Yeah. Who's you know going to get hopefully a half century of goals for Newcastle United. 
not many players can say that. Here's, we- here's one for you. Uh, if the, the day I think Alan Alan Pardew started to lose it at Newcastle United was the day at Stoke City away when, in order to try and get Papi Cisse scoring goals again, he decided to play him on the left. Papi Cisse is a goal scorer. No, don't play him on the left, the right, in behind the striker. He is a striker. You, you, you. If you're going to play him. You build a team around him. And that is, to be fair, that is kind of what they've had to do this season because they just haven't bought another striker who can, who can fill his boots. The interesting thing with, with that, and I think he'll carry on and do well, was you mentioned at the weekend, Lee, was who provided the assist? Jan Matt. Leighton Baines is the only uh, defender to have more assists. Oh, well, yeah. But he's providing crosses. And what do you do at half-time? You know, and he goes over and he pat, you know, pats yeah. him on the back. He's saying, yeah, cheers, mate. Give me the ball and I'll put it in the back of the net. Which and is what he does. You're asking the question. That's what you're asking for. Yeah. But, the, yeah. the problem with Alan Pardew and Sissi was Pardew was frightened to play 4-4-2. Hmm. Now, I know John Carver's had a lot of criticism for saying he was brave for playing 4-4-2. Now, personally, I wouldn't have come out and said that. But the point he was... I think people are missing the point. The point he was trying to make was, I'm playing four four two. Yeah. Alan Pardew wouldn't play four four two. Now, if you go back, let's go back as far as Denver Bar. He was playing when CC yeah. first came. He was playing CC in the middle, in a four three three, and it was Denver Bar that was shunted onto the left. Mm. And then Denver Bar got a little bit tired of that, complained, so he swapped CC onto the left and on the right positions he'd never played in. So, it's it's simple. Play CC. Give him a decent strike partner, get the servers coming in. On Saturday, that didn't quite happen. Mm. Obertan and Amiobi, they didn't quite get the accuracy into the box. Obertan, too many times, done a little step over, you know. It's frustrating, isn't it? Frustrating. Just get in the box. There was a couple of times where CC was like, hands pointing at his feet, saying, just give me the ball, sort of thing. Jan Matt has obviously twigged onto that and floating in brilliant balls for him. There was yeah. another one in the first half as well that. Um, was was unlucky, okay. but the two wingers they didn't. I know Sami Amiobi did okay, Obertan did okay, but the two wingers, their job is to get across in the box, get on with it, boys, and CC will deliver you goals, which obviously leads to wins. So, it's an interesting point there about John Carver as well, because I think he's getting he's getting picked apart a little bit, a bit like Alan Pardew did really on on what he's saying in press conferences and the things that he's. Saying and, and and it's it's I always think this this is going to be the problem for whoever the next head coach is because the the, new, the club don't have the club aren't really putting up players to speak to people an awful lot at the moment and and when they are being put up they've been put up after after the matches which I think is always a difficult time to try and get players to say too much um, too much in kind of terms of longer longer interviews where they where they really can expand on what they think about the club so John Carver is the only one talking. And his stuff, it, it, the things that he's saying are getting picked apart. And and John's not like I mean, he's actually he's not a, he's not really media trained at all. As he just says, he's actually quite quite good in that in that respect because he just actually says what's what's on his mind. I don't think there's ever a kind of agenda there with him. And it's quite interesting he is saying like maybe what he was trying to say at the weekend was like, look, you know, I'm braver than Alan Pardew. Um, he wasn't trying to say I'm Braveheart or anything. But he was trying to say I'm no, than Alan I don't Pardew. think so. I just think the choice of words didn't. Um didn't go down well because unfortunately as you see he's under scrutiny at the moment mm. uh, because of the simple fact too many people don't want him as head coach yeah. so yeah, yeah. whatever he says is going to get pillars people want to see a head coach of some calibre coming in and they want it now you know what I mean they've waited long enough to for success at Newcastle United, yeah. and I totally understand that unfortunately 
the club have made the decision that they're going to give Carver an opportunity to get the job. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And that which brings us on to the next question from uh, Steve H. Are the club and he and he was pointing out a few of the things that have come out of the club, a few of the little things that have been said and and a few of the interviews that have obviously been given um, in terms of players and John himself. Are the club trying to ease John Carver into this position permanently? Do you think, essentially there, Lee, I'm asking you, do you think a, a decision has already been made on John Carver? I don't think a decision's already been made. I, if you're asking me, would they like him to get the job? Maybe they would. Um has he got the opportunity to get the job? Absolutely. Yeah. He's got, you know, eleven games left now, and if he wins half of them or more than half of them, which is a big ask, then I think he's got a good chance of getting the job. Uh, from from where I was standing at the weekend, Mike Ashley looked quite happy with the way business was going at Newcastle United. Now, there's a lot that can happen between now and May twenty fourth. Mm. There's a derby coming up. Um, there's big games against Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United. There's games where they can get absolutely torn to pieces. Mm. And if Man City is anything to go by, that's what could happen. Mm. That's what could happen. If they lose to Sunderland, public opinion is going to hit. If you think this is bad, it'll hit an all-time low if they yeah. lose to a pretty bad Sunderland team. A very bad and Sunderland team. And I say pretty bad, they've already beat with once. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, so... It can go either way at the moment. It can go absolutely rock bottom or for Carver. It can go in astronomical heights where he suddenly gets offered. How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast. And this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out. I don't know a long contract. He came out the other day and said, if I had a three, if I missed by a lot of people, he came out and said, if I had a three year contract, strange Strange uh, number to pick out the air, mm. that. But that's what's happening. and yeah. um, I, for, he's, got, he's got an opportunity. So, yeah. back, 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 to answer your question, what was the question? The, uh, <laughs> it was, the club trying to ease him into the position permanently. They are think? giving him an opportunity to get the job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but for me, like, personally, I, I, I think I, th- I completely agree with Lee. I think exactly where we're coming from. Like, we, what, we're, um, what we're seeing at the moment is the club not... I don't think they're going and necessarily talking to anybody at the moment. I think they're giving Carver the, the opportunity. I still think Remy Gard has a decent opportunity. I know we saw some stuff over the weekend saying that he didn't impress the Newcastle United hierarchy much, but you know that's by the by. I think really because it's all very well to say they didn't impress the hierarchy that much. I don't think they were particularly impressed with what John Carver said after the um, Burnley game, where he came out and said, "Oh, we need a decision made straight away." Mm. You know, I, I think that then. They're trying to make this decision. They're trying to get this decision right. Um, personal perspective, I don't think anything has changed at Newcastle to suggest that if they give him a three-year contract, if they said they give him a three-year contract, this team is going to get any better. These players are going to get any better. They're going to attract better players. So I just don't see there's any sense for me in appointing him. But I can see why he's in there at the moment. Um, next question. I'll come on to you, Andy, for this one. Um, 
We've got, I don't know whether you saw Alan Shearer has given a little interview yeah. today where he said uh, there's no hope at Newcastle United at the moment. There's no, there's nothing, um, there's nothing to kind of recommend going to watch Newcastle United at the moment. Mark Stanley asks us, all of us three, what are our thoughts are on Alan Shearer's comments? And then he adds a little guarded little stig at the end as well. Or is that too critical for you to mention? Well, it's not too critical for us to mention because we're bloody <laughs> mentioning it now, so there you go. Um... Thoughts on Alan Shearer's comments? Yeah, well, hey, Alan Shearer can pretty much say whatever he wants about Newcastle United. He's you know one of the one of the few that can. Um, but he's he's probably he's probably right, and 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 I would say I would agree with him. And it goes back a little bit about intent because they're not for the moment showing us anything to want. You know, they've struggled with injuries. Injuries have been a bit, a bit of a pain for them because, like you say, if you'd have had. Aaron's, you know, he suffered another setback, which is a bit of a pain. You know, if you have people like that coming back, then there is something. Listen, we've got, you know, fresh young blood coming back in, you know, then you've got something to try and attract a little bit of interest, a little bit of excitement. And no, there, there is. I mean, as I say, Alan Shaker said whatever he wants about <laughs> Newcastle. He's probably, as I say, one of the few that, that can. Um, and I think he's getting a little. Fed up the comments of match of the day. Yeah, um, you know the little, uh, you know, other mid-table team. Well, yeah, that was all they said on match of the day, wasn't it? About Newcastle, you know, and there's one, one sort of. I mean, it was it was quite good actually because it was Rude Toilet versus Alan Shearer, yeah. which was uh, yeah. which was which was quite good. Uh, Lee, Alan Shearer. I mean, Andy's think probably hit the nail on the head when he says Alan Shearer can say what he wants and it automatically comes with authority because he's because he's a club legend and he knows what what this club's about. The thing with Alan Shearer is, is that when he was at the club, when he was captain, there was a certain level of uh, there was standards. Mm. And if you went below them standards, he'd let you know about it, mm. you know. Um, the great thing when when I covered Newcastle when Alan Shearer was a player was if if they got a Tonkin, he'd come out and he'd say it exactly how it was. Yeah. He'd say, this isn't acceptable. We can't let these fans down like this. And when he spoke, people listened. And he would make sure he was the only one who'd come out and says, they, you know, we're going to sort this out, sort of thing. Newcastle haven't got a, a guy like that at the moment. They haven't got a captain like that at the moment. So his words are absolutely right what he's saying. The only difference is, is, is that what his comments about cups, his comments about mid-table, unfortunately... That's the blueprint of the club. I don't agree with it. Mm. I agree with Alan Shearer. I'm, abs- I'm absolutely 100% behind what he said. But it's almost like we're fighting a losing battle in, to, in attempting to get them to change the outlook on the, and be a little bit more ambitious mm. because they seem to think it's a gamble to go for the Europa League, it's a gamble to play a strong team in the Cup, it's a gamble to try and get to a Cup final. They're, they're frightened of getting relegated, mm. they're frightened of losing the TV money. And and that's the problem we've got at the moment. And the sad thing is, no one's ever going to get what they want mm. apart from the board in terms of getting the money. The support levels on Saturday were unbelievable. It's incredible, isn't it? Fifty-one thousand, yeah. you know, fifty thousand Jories getting behind the team, and they knew. They even sang it. They said, "You know that song? We're not going to win anything yeah, anymore." Yeah. That song. Can't swear on this, unfortunately. <laughs> um, the song where they were singing that, they they know. They know that's the situation, but they're still going to turn up and support their team. I just think they deserve a lot better. Yeah, it it was sensational, sensational numbers. I mean, (laughs) we're not scared to answer the question. No, we're not. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to come on to a couple more questions now, but just a a really interesting little side uh, side issue. We've got a big game against Manchester United to cover um, on Wednesday. 
we're also expecting the club's accounts to be yeah. uh, published this week. In fact, we, we, they will be made public this week. Uh, I don't think it's going to be any secret at all that they're going to probably announce record profits could be potentially over... Well, it will be over 10, 10 million probably in terms of the profits. League. Um, that should be good news, shouldn't it? But it, it, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it because people fear that they're not going to spend on players. Yeah, well, hmm. with, with the money that's available now, then you, you should be serving up a couple of marquee signings this summer. A couple of big names, you know. Mm. But we're not going to see... I don't think we're going to see that. We might see four or five signings, but how big the names are, whether a big name matters or not, I don't know. I think it does. But we need to see someone who, who can do the job. Another striker to go with CC. Yeah. Another defender... You know, and just something to get people excited again, and mm. you know, let's look forward to next season. Try and move on. Oh, sorry, um, <laughs> it's not. Uh, that's not Mike. Uh, that's not Mike Ashley uh, barging <laughs> in there. Sorry, that's. Uh, it's what we're uh, we, we're here in the uh, here in the bowels of NCJ Media Towers, and we've just been it's uh, been rudely uh, rudely interrupted. But uh, but there you go, uh, Andy. Yes. The accounts. Yeah. Why why are Newcastle United fans? So interested in them is is it you know is that is that a kind of reason that, where you sort of think <clears throat> look there's a there's a good reason for this there's, you know that, that, that it makes sense for these accounts to be scrutinised yeah, so much or are people yeah. just very very sceptical about what's going on at the club? I, th- I think that's absolutely I think it's sceptical I well, no, I think there's a lot of things but scepticism skept- is one that it kind of comes now with the territory of kind of following Newcastle mm. um, it, you know they make record profits or they make a lot of money and everyone goes well right why, why are we not seeing any of this money you know it, if they were losing money they'd be interested in saying why are we, you know because it is it's interesting and Newcastle the books and the reason I think a lot of it is because their books are some of the best in the Premier if not yeah. the best in the Premier League in terms of how green they are so it all it comes hand in you know hand in parcel part and parcel with it because you've got 50,000 Geordies coming through the gates every week at home Paying their t- paying their way, season tickets, etc., etc. You've got all the advertising. We know Mike Ashley is a money man. So what we need to see is, well, you know, well, how how are they doing? We would like to see money comes in, more money spent on the club, club progresses, everybody's happy. Mm. That's not quite the case, and it's not going to be the, quite the case, you know, because Mike Ashley uses it as a business, and you know, that's his right. He can, he's the owner. He can do what he can do what he wants with it. Mm. So I think scepticism because they're seeing money go in one way and I don't think they're seeing anything come out of the other and plus you're always going to have profits when yes they did sign 8 or 9 players last season didn't spend fortunes though did they that's the thing but you're always going to have a profit if you don't spend money it's mm. like someone asking me to go to the pub no no, I'm not going to go to the pub tonight alright but I've got the 50 quid but yeah, you've got the 50 quid but you haven't had any pleasure. You haven't enjoyed it. You yeah. know, you haven't mixed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's 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 what you get for your money. Well, what's interesting as well is that I think um, we we kind of look at the the last big sale they had of the Andy Carroll money, which they invested, reinvested, and and sort of decided to do all this rest of the stuff. They got that right because they signed the right players. Mm. I think they sold Johan Kabai. I don't think they invested in a way that actually progressed the team, which they did last time. 
what's going to be interesting this summer is that they haven't made a big sale because, to be honest, yeah. the players haven't been good enough for them to sell to make a big sale. Sissoko was not good enough to get his big move that he wanted in January. I think the club would have sold him if they'd have, if they'd have had a, a big enough bid. They didn't get that, so now this summer they're going to have to do things completely differently. And that, and so this summer's a big one for Newcastle because you can talk about profit all you want, but if the team keeps knocking down and keeps going down to 11th, 14th, 16th, we've seen Southampton and West Ham uh, advance this season, and it hasn't happened for Newcastle this season. What is it? Is it 1.2 million a place? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I don't think the money for the place really matters no, that no. much, but what does matter is... This slow sort of drip yeah. down that they're not competing with those teams. Um, got another question here for you, Lee. Uh, Declan Fanning uh, asks, and this is a good point actually, because there's two or three players that uh, are coming up to the end of their contracts. Asks, will Newcastle United ever give a first team player a contract extension again? It has been a long time since Newcastle um, actually gave a new contract to one of their top players. Well, they gave Paul Dummett one last season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think. Depends which player we're talking about. You know, it's who's going to be out of contract then? Season: Stephen Taylor, Ryan Taylor, Sammy Amiobi, Sammy Amiobi, um, Honus Gutierrez. Gutierrez. Those, are the, those are the three or four that you'd, you'd kind of look. They're at. important squad players. Would you give them more than a year extension? Probably not. Would they accept a one-year extension? Don't know if I would. If I was a player mm. in me in me thirties, one last move, one big paycheck to come. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think Newcastle are looking, they're looking longer term. Paul Dummett's a good example because he's a younger player. They want to keep him long term. Um, they've done that. When you look at uh, Ryan Taylor, there's, n- there's no sell-on mm. kind of advantage here with that. And that's what they're looking for. So in answer to the question, they'll only look at giving extensions to players who are valuable to them. Mm. So Rolando Harrens, for example, is yeah. a good one. Well, it's interesting as well. A lot of them are on um, seven or eight. I mean, Colback mm. and Semdi Young signed seven-year contracts, was it? Six or mm. seven-year contracts. So they're just quite a simple answer about that one, the extract contract extension, is actually you don't need to. Moussa Zizoko, everybody's talking about what's he going to do this summer. He's got another three years left on his contract, isn't he? Because they give him a six-year contract. Mm. Um, Andy, uh, another one for you here. Yeah. Stephen Farrell, uh, well known to us here at uh, NCJ Media Towers, asks, with the uh, possible announcement of eight-figure um, profits this season, do you think that money will get spent on players? Question for you there. Do you think that money is going to... Do you think that money will get reinvested this summer? Yes. It's going to have to. Yeah. Yeah, as you've just said about players, they've, actually, they've, not made any, they've not made any big selling deals, so they're going to have to spend it one way or another because... Not like Lee said, you know, you're probably not going to see you know a superstar signing, but you are going to see some players come in. They're physically going to have to do it to maintain their Premier League status. So yeah, um, will it be all of it? Well, I don't know. Well, yeah, you have to wait and see. You know, because you bring in players for one million, well, you know, you can bring in half half a dozen of them. But it's it's physically going to this year is is different to the others because they're going to have to de- dig and uh, fish out some, some money and some players, whereas last time, like you said, they had uh, money already um, floated from, uh, from big sales. I mean, what, what also you've got to remember is on that is that last summer they bought in nine players, but they got rid of five or six. They did. So, and this season they're going to lose four or five, probably bring in four or five, so the squad's not getting that much bigger. No. The other thing, and it's worth remembering, just as a reminder... Uh, You've got two players coming in from Nottingham Forest for yeah. pre-season training. Yeah, we forget about them, don't we? And they will be 
they will be spoken to as new bodies yeah. in terms of fresh players coming in. So there's two players already signed mm. in the in the eyes of the board. They'll go, we've got another goalkeeper, we need another goalkeeper. Yeah. We need a defender, we've got one of them. So, you know, it's only two, three, four more players after that. Yeah, which is... Well, I think, Not probably, like you said, you, you, think, you think they need seven or eight at least. First the, team. the team needs a, a facelift, mm. to, be, to be totally honest. I said in my match report at the weekend... The three wise men, Tim Krull, brilliant. Daryl Yamat, brilliant. Cissé does exactly what it says on the tin, gets goals. Sissoko, decent mm. player. But really after that, are, there, are, are they all vital players to the yeah. club? Can they be changed? Can they be replaced? I think they can. Yeah. Uh, here's one for you. Kind of moving back to what we were talking about last week. Dassler asks, they will all three of us answer this one. What was it like being back in Mike Ashley's back pocket? Lee, answer me that question because I'm sure you've had a couple of conversations already with Mike Ashley today telling you what to write for tomorrow. Well, it's just the whole urban myth thing, you know, the, the same situation as we're all mates with John Carver and we all go around to his house for tea parties and all that. It's all nonsense, really. Yeah. It's the, I don't know, like the common belief fallacy, you know, one person says it, then someone goes, oh, that, that, that must be good, so I'll mm. jump on the bandwagon with that, um, without checking out the facts. Um, if you went through all the, the history of the, the newspaper, even this season, even after the ban's been lifted, there's been some critical pieces yeah. well, from, in the newspaper from all of us sitting yeah. here. And the front page, the front page after the FA Cup defeat at Leicester, after the ban was, after the ban was kind of taken up, was disgraceful. It's, it's what you want to believe, and if, if you want to believe... Something that's not true, then brilliant on you go. Mm. Uh, Andy, yeah, what's it like? What's it like working on a Saturday for the back? From, from my case? I, I do understand the point that he's trying to make, I just don't agree with it. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Hey, would everyone like to have first class access to uh, to Mike Ashley? Him speaking to him, be good, it'd be a good, nice little bit of insight, yeah, well, but nobody, nobody does. Um, no, it's yeah. Sometimes it is laughable. Sometimes, if I laugh, I have to laugh because otherwise I'll cry. Yeah, because you know, you, you, it is a bit of a frustrating time because it's you know we're, we're putting out fair, balanced, objective copy on a daily, hourly basis, and it is a little bit frustrating because you know it would be interesting to see if those people who were a bit critical came in and saw how things worked because it's just not as like Lee says the urban the urban myth is, but. Yeah, we would all like to be. It's, uh, it's difficult, and I think this is the final final point we should, we should probably make. It's it's difficult as well because you know there's fifty one thousand people there, as Lee said on on Saturday, and um, you know it's really difficult because we we interact with people we know from social media and from just knowing people in the city that there's a lot of disquiet out mm. there. But fifty one thousand people are going to the games. I mean, it obviously hasn't reached breaking point yet for quite a few people out there. Well, fifty one thousand Newcastle fans of the game. Um, not one chant against Mike Ashley on Saturday mm. not one chant against John Carver on Saturday yeah, yeah. so not saying that people aren't happy about that but if we are to be fair and we are to reflect what people what's happening what, what the chants are and all that sort of thing then we'd be we'd effectively be making it up on Saturday mm. well and there wasn't there wasn't any chance I mean I wasn't at Manchester City but you were and nobody sang against what? John Carver there did there was, Crystal Palace, there was a couple. Palace, yeah. And that's it. Mm. 
which is which is interesting. And Manchester United on Wednesday should be. Uh, uh, it's always great when Manchester United come, isn't it, Lee? Just fine. I think this is. We'll, we'll wrap it up here. Always good when Manchester United come to St James's Park. There's been some good, some bad, and some pretty ugly uh, games at St James's Park. Well, well you're saying it's always good, but I don't know if I'll be <laughs> yeah. saying that uh, on Wednesday night before I go to bed. There could be tears before bedtime. I think. Uh, Look, it's a different fixture to what it once was. When Newcastle first came in the Premier League, Kevin Keegan's programme note said, look out, Sir Alex, yeah. we're after your title. And they absolutely went for Man United. You know, they didn't always beat them, mm. but they got some famous results against them. The 5-0 being the, the highlight. Um, there was a great 3-0 win when Bobby Robson was here. I think even Mr Pardew got a, a, a 3-0. Was it 3-0? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Um, so... There's been some great nights. There's been some terrible ones as well. Been crushed a few times. This time I'm nervous about it. I do think that Man United have got that little bit extra class. That said, I look at the team, the team sheet, and it's not as scary as it, it's been in the mm. past. It's certainly not the best Man United team, but Wayne Rooney, Falcao, two top players mm. who, who t- could take the chance. I know Di Maria is a little bit off form, and uh, Juan Mata has been billed a waste of money. Yeah. But they're still class players, yeah, and, cool. and it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, tough night. If, you know, if you offered me a point now, I'd, I would probably take it. How about you, Andy? Yeah, a, a win. As much as I, I would love to see them go out for the win, which is actually the totally the right way to, to play. Give me a give me a point because I have to be honest, I don't I don't see where they're going. You know, everyone talks about Man United's defense, but Newcastle's defense isn't particularly uh, fantastic at the moment. So for me, it's more about the performance. If they go lose one nil, but the performance is there. They need something like that. They've got a lot of a lot of tough fixtures, and you might say, well, it's, you know, you haven't picked up any points. You haven't advanced. The team is going to have to really get together in these sort of next eight weeks, and um, it can start. It can start against Man U, and you know, if it get if it's tight, if it's nil nil after sixty minutes. The crowd are going to be behind Newcastle. They're all going to be baying for it, and it'll, that'll be the atmosphere. That kind of you know, everyone wants everyone wants to get back. And you know, like you say you've got some superstar players, uh, and, and Man United have got. And if they're getting frustrated, then the Newcastle fans will love it. Yeah. Do, you, do you think they'll be singing John Carver's name if, if he does get the win? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's one for next week. Um, I'm personally just can't wait. A, a midweek game. We haven't had one for a while, so really looking forward to it. Uh, let's hope we're talking about a win uh, when we uh, reconvene after the Manchester United game. Thanks again, Andy, Lee, uh, and I've been uh, Mark, your host. So uh, thank you once again, and apologies for the uh, interruption midway through. Uh, speak to you again after the Manchester United game. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.